0: Hi, it's Carol. We have a very special episode today. After 10 amazing guests, we're pausing to revisit some of our favorite insights. These are not just things that have inspired us the most, they are also actionable ideas you can apply to your purpose journey right now. My purpose has always been to enhance the purpose of organizations and that of practitioners that are doing this work every day. I love bringing this kind of content to our listeners and hope you'll take something very powerful away from today's episode. Enjoy these, and also we love to hear your favorite insights. Please share with us on Twitter at Purpose360Pod, that's Purpose360Pod, because the more insights that we gather and share, the more powerful our work for our organizations and society.
1: As Carol said, we're we're really excited about the guests we've had on so far. And so we're going all the way back to the very start. The first Purpose 360 episode featured Alex Thompson of REI. We talked with Alex about REI's disruptive Opt Outside campaign, and how it's inspired millions of people to go outside and in the process to boost sales. Core to that idea behind Opt Outside was to celebrate the company's employees, their role in advancing REI's purpose, and how it all connects to stewardship and the outdoors.
2: You know, Opt Outside, for those who are not familiar, it was the decision to shut down all of our retail stores and to put a black screen across our website on Black Friday, the biggest retail day in the year um, for most companies, and instead to pay 12,000 employees to go outside and be with family and friends and um and that really was the the nut of the idea he's like the reason we're doing this is it's it's for the employees if if we do this and our employees respond by understanding what we stand for as a co-op nearly 80 years into our life and and they respond well we will have achieved our goal everything else is icing on the cake and i don't want you to put any metrics in place pre or post that is not the point so um, importantly for Opt Outside, no business metrics were put in place. No, certainly no sales metrics, no, you know, av- you know, a- a- advertising value metric, None of that. And the reason I'm most proud of Opt Outside is not for the communications and the brand work that was done, but it's, it's seeing the response from employees, many of whom had spent 20 years without a Black Friday off. And when you are exposed to the outpouring of love. And appreciation, when that happens, um, it, it, it really is a reminder of uh, the responsibilities that we have to do things that aren't just good for the brand of an organization, but fundamentally get to people's needs.
0: Our first global episode was one of my favorites. We spoke with Jin Montesano of Lixil, a $17 billion company, that's with a B, based in Japan. You may not have heard of Lixil but about a billion people get up every morning and get ready with Lixil products. The company owns a number of kitchen, bath, and water brands, including American Standard, Growy, and NX. What's really special about Lixil is that the global holding company shares a purpose with each of its brands. And some of these brands are over 100 years old, while Lixil itself is only seven years old. Jin talked with us about how Lixil found one unified, focused purpose for this global group to unite their cultures, their vision, and their North Star, and it had to do with toilets.
3: Social purpose was almost a business necessity in some respects. I joined the company in 2014. At the time, Yoshiaki Fujimori was the CEO of Lixil. He was actually recruited to help establish Lixil as a global company. After the five um, domestic companies came together to create Lixil, they wanted to quickly globalize by doing more M&A. And they basically turned to me and said, so we've done all these acquisitions, but we don't really know how to tell our story. Um, we need to now start to explain to employees and external stakeholders what is Lixil really about and start to pull together our narrative, our brand, um, and and our purpose. There was this sense that we needed to unite our 70,000 employees under one roof and give them some true north direction that was going to be more than just a financial target now that we were this big giant of a company you know, why do we need to exist as a company? We really wanted to dig deep and try to understand what our purpose is as a social actor in this ecosystem that is global society. It is a a huge challenge on the one hand, but if you think about, you know, our colleagues in the space looking at brand purpose, looking at social purpose, you know, they're going to have to make a case for it. And I was in a situation where the CEO and the executive team was looking to me for some holistic direction, saying, how do we actually tell one story and a, a single compelling narrative now? How should we go about talking about this company? Not only to our employees, but our business partners, our customers, to governments who've never heard of Lixo when we walk through that door and have to explain who we are. So for me, um, you know, we call this building a corporate narrative or a master narrative. And a lot of companies, communication agencies, will do this kind of work. And of course, I've done a lot of narrative um, development in my previous jobs. But in this particular case, I decided it isn't just about the retelling in a beautiful way, what it is that we do. We need to first figure out why are we here? And when we were able to define that more clearly, then working out the beautiful language about who we are and what we stand for became much easier and more natural. And so that's what we ended up doing.
1: I bet that if many of you took a look around your bathrooms or your kitchens right now, you'd find a Kohler product. The brand's well-known for its home products, but here are a few things you might not know. Kohler also operates in industries including hospitality, real estate, even power. They're a family-run business started in 1873 that operates out of Kohler, Wisconsin. Kohler's long-term commitment to being a good steward, making the world a better place. And... They also have a cutting edge incubator called Waste Lab, which finds new applications for the waste produced from manufacturing or recycling all the line of Kohler products. We had a pleasure uh, this summer of chatting with Laura Kohler, great granddaughter of the company's founder and the lead uh, for human resources, stewardship, and sustainability for the company. She talked about how a century plus old company is attracting talent through stewardship.
4: Engagement has been part of our DNA for over, I would say, 15 years, and I've seen the power of an engaged workforce. And then because I also had another job, which was the stewardship piece, and marrying the two together was the aha moment of, wow, stewardship and sustainability can really help drive engagement. And what engagement does is drive productivity, retention, and associates who are highly engaged are associates who can drive change. Right. So what I've learned is that people come to Kohler to be part of the stewardship and sustainability journey. Mm -hmm. And they say, I want to be part of a company that's doing that or I want to do it and I want to be physically involved. Mm -hmm. I think an aha moment that I've also had is that not everybody at every moment in their life has time Mm -hmm. to volunteer, time to be on an extra project, but they want to be part of a company that does it. Right. So we have tried to create an environment where you can be part of it if you have time and if you if you care about it, but you don't have to be pressured into it.
1: Now, it it may seem to some of our listeners right now, Carol, that we're stuck in the bathroom with the last two interviews. But but as long as we're there, why don't we look around and see if there's anything else that all of our listeners or many of them have in common? Hey, wait,
0: is that a tub of Vaseline? It is certainly probably is and it's likely tucked way in the back of your medicine cabinet or perhaps in the front because it's part of your daily routine we can all agree that it's a very useful but fairly innocuous product that's why it is so amazing how the vaseline brand team at unilever found this product's superpower you know so few products have a very special attribute that you can bring it to life, but Vaseline has one, to heal and protect the most vulnerable individuals, whether they're in conflict zones, impoverished communities, and also following natural disasters. Unilever's Kathleen Dunlop talked about the Vaseline Healing Project, an initiative I am so proud to have worked on. It started with the mandate from now former Unilever CEO Paul Pullman, to give the group's biggest brands a social mission. The journey to find Vaseline's social
5: purpose is fascinating. The Vaseline team set out to figure out what can be the thing that we do that's authentic to what the brand stands for, that's related to what the product actually does, um, and that will help us to make the world a better place. We did A bunch of exploratory interviews with various organizations to understand how our product was being used. And at the time, we had an advertising campaign that ended with the healing power of Vaseline. In fact, it's still our tagline today. And so we asked ourselves and we asked these other organizations, where is that healing power of Vaseline required? And we turned our tagline into a question and we went out looking for, you know, where is the place where our product can make a difference? and where what our brand stands for, which is healing, is needed. And we very quickly discovered from talking with organizations like Doctors Without Borders, Centers for Disease Control, UNHCR, that Vaseline, this very humble product that, as you said, everyone has in their bathroom cupboard or under their bathroom sink and doesn't think about very much, it is one of the elements that the CDC recommends be in every first aid kit. It's One of the products that Doctors Without Borders uses in their field hospitals, especially for mothers giving birth, both for the mother and for the baby to protect the baby's vulnerable skin. It is, it's, um, well, actually it was talking with UNHCR that we discovered that skin issues are one of the top 10 medical concerns that they see in refugee camps. And in retrospect, it kind of makes sense because people are living in very crowded conditions, often without access to clean water. And it's very easy for disease to pass from one person to another in those kinds of situations. And skin, if you can't keep it clean, if it's been exposed to the elements, if you've got cuts and scrapes that get infected, skin very quickly becomes one of the one of the things that needs medical attention. And so all of this sort of came together to create a concept that we called frontline healing. And we defined Vaseline's frontline as anywhere that there were skin issues that our product could help.
0: One of the most moving interviews to date was our conversation with Heather Nestle at New York Life Insurance Company. It's another legacy company. It's it's older um, that did a lot of soul searching to find a truly authentic and meaningful social purpose. And we always suggest to companies to go back to their history, to go back to their products, and to find the truth. What are they providing that is truly of exceptional value? New York Life's purpose was born of a sad reality, that one in 15 children will lose a parent or a sibling before the age of 18. That's so sad. And of course, New York Life provides life insurance but they wanted to do more than just write an insurance policy. The company and its agents who are at the front lines of dealing with customers experiencing loss, they see the impact of death each day, and they truly wanted to do more. So New York Life embraced the issue of child bereavement and integrated it across the organization. The company's agents were pivotal to bringing this issue to life for their customers, families, and their communities.
6: The idea of serving our communities and being there for the communities that we serve is really embedded in the history of the company. And, you know, the work that we do, especially through our agents on the ground, you know, really is a social good. So there's no need to explain to folks who work here how to embed social purpose into what we do because what we do is an actual social purpose. You know, we we provide real value um, for folks and security for people just through the products that we offer. But I think, you know, beyond that, there's a there's an old saying that, you know, life insurance is sold, not bought. You know, it's it's a subject that people don't like to talk about, people don't like to think about their own mortality. And so the folks on the ground, you know, our our distribution network really have to find ways to engage with the public to not just make them aware of, you know, what life insurance is and why people need it, but to build trusting relationships, because this is, you know, a large purchase that you're going to make, you're likely only going to do it once, maybe twice in your life. Um, And so people really need to feel comfortable with the with the company and the people behind that product. And so our folks have always then been engaged with their communities. You know, they've been out there just sort of looking for people to talk to, but also finding ways to build positive relationships in the communities that they serve.
1: When you think about LG Electronics, you might be saying to yourself, life's good. Now, LG is well known for its tagline, but it's never really defined what life's good means in a meaningful way. Now, you might be saying, well, Chris, that's true for a lot of companies. Some taglines are just catchy and that's it. Well, for years, that approach worked for LG. But when the company was seeking to discover an authentic approach and to tie it to a meaningful purpose, it saw this tagline as a tremendous asset. The company asked itself, what does life's good really mean? Carol and I joined LG on this journey about two years ago. And working with them, we found that LG had a unique role to play in helping youth develop the skills of sustainable happiness. A happy life is a good life, but achieving it isn't always easy, especially for today's generation of kids who experience high rates of depression and stress. LG's Mike Pepperman talked with us about how LG convened key stakeholders to find and align on its social purpose.
7: It's really important for us um, to ensure um, that this was really Authentic to our brand, and, and in order to ensure that we did that in the right way, it's important to bring together a wide variety of stakeholders. Um, I believe we had we had somebody in there from all of our business units, consumer facing and commercial facing, and um, all levels of executive leadership, um, and and they each provided a unique perspective, um, not only on um, the insights that they brought from the consumer standpoint, but how they felt about our brand and our company and, and where we should be focusing.
1: Another great takeaway from the LG program is how they set their goal to reach 5.5 million youth. That's ambitious. But setting goals can be difficult for organizations just starting on their path. It's tough to conceptualize what impact really means one, two, three, five years out. To do this, LG had to set their sights high and also turn to its trusted partners.
7: It was important for us to, to pick an aggressive goal. Um, we, we wanted both our impact to be significant, um, as well as the perception of that impact to be significant. Um, so it's going to be a, a challenging goal, um, to achieve. Um, the, the organizations that we're working with are uh, a little bit more grassroots. There's an organization called Inner Explorer, um, which is a mindfulness based, um, organization that, that helps bring the sustainable happiness to to kids through um, school programs. And, and then Project Happiness, which is a, a high school-based happiness club program, um, where they practice sustainable happiness skills through daily habits. Um, and so we're working with them on ways to um, increase the, the reach of these programs, um, but in a way that's impactful. These aren't programs that are just providing kids with access to a video, um, and then we hope that they go home and, and practice human connection. Um, They're actually working to instill uh, a life change, um, to instill these skills um, for these kids to incorporate them as part of their daily routine.
0: This last insight will challenge listeners to not go forward, but to go backward and to think like toddlers. That's right. Go back to being two or three or four or five years old and remember that creativity that you had every single day. And the wonder that you had when you looked at anything and you could make it into something magical. My dear friend, Paul Lindley, founder and former CEO of Ella's Kitchen, that's one of the UK's leading baby food brands, talked with us about how today's leaders can benefit from an unadulterated sense of joy and creativity by just going backwards and thinking like a toddler. This perspective guided Paul in starting and growing Ella's Kitchen, a company that has profoundly advocated for early childhood nutrition, even pushing legislation through Britain's parliament. It's a company that was quite literally founded with and for a purpose. I love Paul's perspective about brands that exist to advance a social mission, and this brand was named after Paul's daughter. Ella and her journey through eating vegetables. Veg first, as Paul would love to say.
7: Any brand starts from the inside and works out. You can't just say, okay, we're going to say to the external world, we're going to do an advert, we're going to try and persuade people who want to buy from us that we stand for this, this, and this, and it will improve their lives by this, this, and this, and therefore they should buy it. We've got to live that. It's not, it's not authentic. It won't, it won't work unless we're living those values and those that, that brand value internally in our culture and in the environment that we work in. And therefore, that's all to do with people. So building a business with a people-centered approach, the money follows that um, and, uh, and you get trust and you can build prosperity and you can do good with that prosperity.
0: In our first 10 episodes, we have been thrilled to have great conversations with just amazingly smart, dedicated, passionate, and even intense people. We learned a lot about the technology of uh, putting a podcast together from often three, four locations. I'd like to thank our producer, Pete Wright, who is a guru, or what do you think he is? Chris.
1: I, he might be a Sherpa, but he's it, it's one or the other. Either he's at the top of the mountain and we're, we're striving to be like him, or he helps us get up the mountain. So I, I think it might be Sherpa in this case, but it's a technical yeah, well, I, you know,
0: our knowledge of technology is not very good. <laughs> so uh, please bear with us. But the content is just, it gives me chills at time. In addition to our amazing producer, Pete Wright, I'd like to give a shout out to our Purpose Senior Associate kristen kenny she is a master at herding the cats to get our guests to appear to helping chris and i really sound wonderfully articulate and she her energy gets us striving to do even better every day so thank you kristen
1: so she's the guru then That's where we're headed.
0: Okay, she's a guru and Pete's the Sherpa. And Pete's the Sherpa. There we go. Now
1: now we've got it under control.
0: And I just hope that everyone will share it with your teams, with your companies, share it with that, you know, C-suite level naysayer. Because when they start hearing about the wonders of the purpose journey and how it's going to impact the business as well as society, they will just say, we got to do it or we got to do it better. That's right. And, And you can
1: help them find us and listen to it by going to purpose360podcast.com where we've got all the full episodes. We've got show notes. You can read up on some of our guests and and of course you can find links to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, but, but the most important thing, and Carol tell you this too, is to, to keep giving us your feedback and your ideas, you can find us on Twitter at purpose360pod, and we're open to suggestions for future guests, topics you'd like to hear more about. Anything you can think of as relates to a company's purpose and how they pursue it.
0: In the next few weeks, you'll hear from leaders at Stonyfield, Alaska Airlines, Aflac, and more. So in closing today, I'd like to ask you, what's What's your your purpose? purpose?